this topic, hmm, it could be very heavy or it could be very enlightening depending on how you view things. A growing number of folks may have heard about death positive, a death positive movement out there, death cafes, death friendly communities. I know what you're thinking, like what is he talking about? Well, uh, it's the understanding that, hey, listen, we're welcoming our own mortality. And by doing that, we could improve the quality of our lives. Now, I, I feel like I've been there because obviously, as I've stated here on the show, I've kind of gone through this stage four stomach cancer thing four years ago, and I was told things didn't look very good for me. So the question for me was, and they even said I might not make it to Christmas back then. The surgery went well because here I am. However, it made me think a lot about my mortality. And I started to recognize that, you know what, I've had a great life and I'm not scared of death. Uh, I guess I'm a death denier. Some people love talking about it, and I'm one of them. I, I'm, I'm taking it as a positive, but not everybody sees it that way. But guess what? Joining us on the program today is Susan Srigley, who's the professor of religions and cultures, a death doula and death educator at Nipissing University. And she joins us today. Susan, how are you? I'm great, Bryn. How are you? Fine, it's good to be you. here. Yes, death doula. Do you want to explain what that is? Sure. That's usually the first question. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, have you heard of birth doulas? Yes. Before? Yeah. Birth midwives? Yep. Uh, well, birth, birth doulas are people who help, you know, people bring babies into the world. And essentially a death doula is just the person who helps you at the opposite end of that spectrum, right? So someone yeah. who is there to help someone through that progression of death. And, you know, sometimes they're called end-of-life companions or death midwives, uh, but really they, they help people not just at the very end of life, but, but really in terms of preparing for end of life, talking about it, thinking about it, if people have questions, if people want to prepare advanced directives or plan things for their children's or children or do legacy projects, things like that. So, so death doulas can, can really just be there as a kind of guide for people at end of life. And, and I think that what we're finding is, is that, you know, we need people to help us through that. It's a pretty big transition. And so uh, to have someone there who, who is sort of familiar with it and knows the process, I think makes a really big difference. I know people don't like talking about it, but as I said, I was kind of there at the edge for a little bit, and it made, yes, me, it made me start to look a little bit at, okay, so what about the next year? What about the next six months? Mm -hmm. And I came to realize that I'm not scared about this. Uh, am I alone right. in that? that? Like I said, not everybody wants to talk about it, but I was fine with it, and I'm actually I, yeah. I'm great now because I thought about it. I think that's it. I th I, and I don't think you're a death denier. You said you might be, but I think you're not because it's usually when we've had some kind of encounter experience with death, whether we've lost someone we love, whether we've faced an, uh, a diagnosis or an illness ourselves, that suddenly we go, wait a second, this ends. What does that mean? I mean, philosophers have been doing this forever, asking that question of what does it mean to be alive, knowing that we're going to die. But I think that you know, if we're not engaged in those, those kinds of practices of the philosophers, of religious folks, of mystics, then we tend to kind of push it away. And understandably, death is a bit scary. So I don't, I don't, you know, sort of fault folks for doing that. But I do think that it can have negative consequences for us. And, and I see it really firsthand uh, at the university level with my students.
to use that old expression where they say you're playing the back nine, the old golf expression, <laughs> I think I was in the clubhouse, but I've gone back out to play another three holes. And, <laughs> I, and I've learned a lot from just going into the clubhouse for a little bit. Oh, uh, I bet you have. But yeah. some people just really struggle with this. How do you help them get get through this? You know, I think often uh, talking, listening, you know, what the experience is for my students, you know, who are in there, you know, anywhere from 18 to 21 or 22 years old, uh, for them, they tell me that just actually talking about it, whether it's learning about different traditions around the world or whether it's just talking about funerals or methods of disposition, what we do with bodies after we die, but just having those conversations, making it you know, sort of normalizing the conversation in what is, you know, largely a, you know, dominant death-denying society that we live in, that that changes something in them and it assuages their, their anxiety and their fear about it because I think their experience is that no one wants to talk about it. And so in the absence of conversations about death and dying, um, you know, young kids, you know, have wild imaginations and yeah. and young adolescents just just don't know what to make of it and you know they might lose a, a pet or a grandparent or you know uh, even a classmate sometimes you know in an accident or something like that and their general perception is that there's silence right no one's talking about it yeah and that is the terrifying part for them they don't they feel isolated they feel alone they don't have anyone with whom they can express their fears or doubts and so just having conversations diminishes that anxiety considerably for them. I'm kind of curious here. As a death doula and a professor who teaches about mm-hmm. dying, where do you start mm-hmm. with people? <laughs> where, where's Actually, the, where does the conversation start? Yeah. You know, I find what happens more often than not is that people come to me. And so this has been my experience lately is that I'm, I'm a little bit known in my community as someone who does this, who teaches this material. And so what I'm finding lately is that people are contacting me and saying, look, you know, we've had this diagnosis in our family and we don't know how to talk to our kids about it. Or, you know, my friend's you know, father just died and I don't know what to do or say. And so I think that because we haven't had these kind of open conversations around death and dying, that I'm often confronted with the questions of people when they're in the midst of it, wanting to talk about it. I mean, you know, when people find out what I do and what I teach, uh, I can have two responses. I can have people say, that's really fascinating and, you know, sit down and want to have a big conversation about it. Or I can have people say, oh, that's morbid and, you know, walking in the opposite direction. Not a ew? You don't get that ever? Ew? Oh, there's ew. Yeah, there's ew. There's that's depressing. Why would you want to talk about that? And, you know, quite frankly, the experience of anyone who's been in end of life care, and I've been a palliative care volunteer for the past 22 years, Mm -hmm. uh, has an, you know, that I experience, um, you know, those exchanges that I have with people who are going through the dying process and their loved ones who are witnessing that uh, really quite profound experiences of, you know, um, a, you know the, the beauty of life, of savoring everything that there is left to savor. And it's a really good reminder, right? When you see someone who is experiencing perhaps their last autumn and the way in which they revel in the colors, you know, and I've, you know, gone on drives with people who are dying in, in, the, in the season of fall, that, that when you witness that and you see how extraordinary their experience is, you recognize that, you know, 
you you can have that experience of it too yes. with that knowledge or that awareness that it will end and i think sometimes that reminder which you yourself experienced with your diagnosis really has a kind of beneficial effect so so why not why not do that more why not have those conversations now when people are young and healthy um, to to have that sense of gratitude but also to recognize and to and to confront you know sometimes the really troubling reality that this doesn't last forever I'm a, I'm a believer in quotes and Muhammad Ali had one mm-hmm. he said don't count the days make the days count and that's mm-hmm. that's one that I'm really kind of hanging on but I, I, I gotta tell you I think that I'm learning more because I'm more open to death and as you get a little bit older yes. and you start seeing friends or people you went to school with that, mm-hmm. that suddenly pass away I think it's really important to have your head in the right space and uh, that's why this story uh, and and your topic is a, a fascination to me so I really appreciate you coming on the show today oh my pleasure thank you for thank you for your interest i mean i think the fact that you just said that having these conversations and being in this space that you you know know more and appreciate more is really just demonstrates the power of how this how this really goes down you know that it's oh, yeah. that it's not the sense that if we don't talk about it it'll go away um, but talking about it will actually enhance our life most of the conversations about death are really about living it's like a grand piano off my back thanks for your time today susan we appreciate it <laughs> Thank you. My okay. pleasure. All right. There you go. Take That's care, Susan Strigley, who's a professor of religions and cultures. She's a death doula and death educator at Nipissing University. So we appreciate her joining us on the show today.